I've got a clicker, but I don't have anything to click. Because <laughs> is there anything on there I could just change just for the fun of it? <clears throat> well, it's a, it's a privilege to be with you guys again. It's great to be back. Lindsay and I are, um, can I get a little, I feel like I'm kind of tinny. <clears throat> Maybe you had some verb in there you thought I was going to sing. I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> it would be holy, but it... It wouldn't sound amazing, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Having your guys' worship team, it, it, it feels like being at home, being here. And so you guys are family to us, and so I'm going to kick back and just be myself. <clears throat> but to start our year off with you guys is a huge privilege. Um, I don't ever think it's an accident. A lot of times this is intentional. Um, we're cooperating with the Lord, and He's saying, this is the, um, we're, I'm showing you direction at the beginning of the year, you know, to, I, I, I know God operates outside of time, and I don't necessarily believe that God thinks in years. I believe he thinks in seasons, but sometimes the beginning of a year can be a new season. It's just the way that it works out. Doesn't mean the beginning of every year is, but it's just, yeah, so it's a, it's a huge privilege to be here again, um. I just got back. I went to Brazil and Argentina in December. So my first trip overseas to minister. I've been uh, in a couple different places out of the country, but I don't count Canada and Mexico, really. Um, Toronto was kind of like Chicago, but... And everything appeared to be more expensive, but it actually was cheaper because our money's worth more. So praise God for that. <laughs> So let's pray. So, so Holy Spirit, as you've already been told, you're welcome here. You're welcome to do whatever it is that you want to do. We just give you free reign. We just want you to mess up the agenda, kick over and break boxes that we've put you in. God, we just want you. I just, it's just beautiful when people begin to repent of, of putting their agendas ahead of God's or, or songs or whatever it is, time frames. I know all of that can be important. I thank you, God, that I'm in a place that doesn't put you, doesn't put you second, but puts you first. And during worship, I heard the Spirit of the Lord saying that this year is a year where the river widens and it gets deeper. And I saw you guys moving from kayaks to what, what was barges. I saw you moving from what was uh, one-person and two-person kayaks into party barges. I feel like this is a year where the family gets together in a brand new way. That you've done an amazing and wonderful job of, of bringing unity within the family as much as people would allow you to. And you're a great example in our region of what it looks like to have unity within your leadership team and the people that serve together. But this is a year where the family actually begins to get it in a new way. There's a deeper revelation coming to you of what family is in the context as a whole. Because what I heard the Father saying is, I've had my eye on Newcastle. I've had my eye on this city. And as I've begun to bring hope into the city, and you've seen it happen, and as I begin to destroy darkness in new ways, I'm also beginning to restore family. I'm going to show my city 
I'm going to show my city what healthy family looks like. And as I begin to not only mend bridges, but make bridges brand new, as I begin to not only bring reconciliation, but actually turn the hearts of people, I feel like we're going to see what it is in, in Joel of He's turning the hearts of, of sons and daughters back to fathers and the hearts of fathers back to sons and daughters. And I feel like there's going to be a decrease in, in absentee fathers. There's going to be a decrease in absentee fathers. And there's people in this room right now that need to be healed of father wounds. And I felt like the father that's a family man that just sits down and plays with his kids is here to do just that today. That he's bringing healing into the father wounds. You may need a sozo later and walk through the steps of it, but I believe Jesus is doing the one-step program right now. That He's just bringing His love as a loving Father does, and He's giving you the hug that heals. And as He does this, I just see the restoration of family being a catalyst for what it looks like in reformation in this city. That there are going to be more small businesses that pop up and the ones that have been struggling where people are trying to do it <clears throat> to add value to the city are actually going to begin to increase. That the thing, the spirit of poverty is being broken and the thing that's been stopping small business from thriving is actually being destroyed. And God's true intention for the city is coming as the Father is shining His light into the city. I feel like He's, hold, he's been holding off for this moment in certain, in certain ways that He's been releasing measures of light and life, and love. And His measures are way different than ours. And it's not that He's been holding anything back from His kids, because we know He doesn't do that. But He was giving you as much as you could handle. He was giving you all you could handle. But because of your faithfulness, and the faithfulness of other Christian brothers and sisters, of other family that's in this city, that it's time for more. So I'll remind you of the beginning of the word. It's time for the river to widen and the river to deepen. It's time for people not just to drink from the river, but to actually get in the river and live there. Not just visit there, not just stay there for a little bit and get out and do their thing, get out and do ministry, get out and do life, but it's just soaking and going in the river that flows from the throne that I believe is the Holy Spirit. So Father, I thank you I thank you for what you're doing this year, not just in this place. I thank you for what you're doing in this place, though, but for what you're doing in this city. I thank you that your mercy is triumphing over judgment. I thank you that your grace is abounding. I thank you that people that were never even created to be sinners are coming into sonship and daughtership. Thank you. I thank you for your lost children, the ones that once had said yes to you but have run from you for whatever reason, that have been wrecked with disappointment and mad at you because blamed you for things that you didn't do. I thank you that they're coming back to you in this year. I thank you. I feel like in the next 365 days that there are going to be people that left this house because they were upset, disappointed, hope deferred. And they're coming back into the family to be the person, to be the part of the body that they were created to be. Yeah, so Father, we thank You. We thank You for what You're doing. 
We we're excited to see more of you in our cities. We're excited to see more of the fulfillment of the prayer that we pray, the prayer that we sing of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As I love to say it now, your will, your way. <laughs> we just want to be we just want to be a part of what you're doing. We thank you for all this in Jesus name. Some of you thought I was going to bring a word about, about clearer vision this year, didn't you? It was too easy, right? 2020 vision. I believe God's doing that. I believe He's doing that every year, though. 2020 was just an easy play on words. I asked my friend David, I said, how many prophetic words do you think will be released about 2020 vision, clearer vision this year? I asked him that in December, or this coming year. I asked him in December, and he said, I've already heard a few hundred. <laughs> So it's good. I'm glad God's raising up prophetic people and God's releasing, you know, what he's doing in the earth. And I'm just glad to be in the room when he's doing it. I pray a prayer that I learned from that same friend. God, do whatever you want. Please just don't do it without me. (laughs) Even if I just get to be in the room, I don't care. And so I want to share a testimony with you. Well, I'm going to get down. Is it all right if I get down here on the floor? I'll use my Bible at some point. Oh, that changed things for me. <laughs> but like I was in surround sound. <clears throat> Maybe I'll stand off to the side and won't feel like that. <clears throat> Is there anywhere I can't walk? Can I run side to side, run back there, high five you, Tom? Okay. <laughs> awesome. I, I want to I thank everybody that's involved in the, um, in the Sozo and the emotional healing ministry. Um, Michelle and Shelly, you ha- heading that up and and Tom, I know everybody's husbands are, are part of that. You guys are all a part. Um, I just thank you for what you're doing. Last year, our whole leadership and uh, more of, I don't know, I told him, you know, jokingly this morning, about 25% of your inner healing sessions were probably our people. <laughs> and we sent our, all of our leadership over, and, and um, it added to what God was doing in the realm of emotional healing, and it's helping create a healthy family. Because who knows, if you have a faulty foundation, the whole house is going to be messed up at some point. And so you can put brand new material on top of a, a faulty foundation, right, and it, it's not going to work out, uh, you know. And so we, we're getting a foundation healthy. And so I'm grateful for people that were willing to do that. I didn't have, they didn't come kicking and screaming. A few of them, maybe they weren't kicking and screaming, but I found out later that they weren't real happy about it. And uh, they found out in the, in the inner healing sessions why. <laughs> so, uh, and so they were all grateful afterwards, right? And so, and, um, so, th- so thank you for what you're doing. It's adding value to the kingdom. And um, our fruit is, is your fruit and, and vice versa. I love what Leif Hetland says. When, my, when your stock goes up, my stock goes up. Yep. Right? And this is kingdom. This is kingdom family business. Amen. <laughs> so there's no reason to get jealous or compete with the family uh, down the road. You just you, you celebrate what God's doing. He's doing something, even if they don't agree with us, preach anything near the same thing. They're preaching Jesus. People are coming into the kingdom. Praise God. Yep. Right? So, yeah, it's a big, 
beautiful tapestry of, of different people in the family. And so, as I was saying, I went over to Brazil, and I, I went to Recife, Brazil. Does anybody know where that is, Recife? It's in northern Brazil, but it's not so northern that it's jungle. I'm, I'm thankful for that. It was northern. No, it was just warm in the whole country. And so, in December, beginning of December, it was in the 80s there. Uh, everybody was pretty, pretty jealous. Um, <laughs> I will tell you the story about the air conditioning, but maybe for another time. And so when I was going to Recife, I was going with my pastor, uh, Lynn Ballinger, and he's been in over 100 100 countries, 100 nations, and actively in over 60, like 61, 62. And so we're going there to build with these people, to build long-term relationship, to add value to what they're doing, and them add value to what we're doing, because their, their churches are growing like crazy. Right? They really are. I mean, they're getting, they're getting a lot of people saved. I was in a church that was two or three months old, and there was three or 400 people in it um, already. And so um, economically, they're not, they're not doing great, but they're doing better than, the time, than Argentina that I spent in there. Uh, Argentina's economic system is not, is not good at the moment, but God is shifting things in the government there. And, and so... We went into a service on Saturday night. We'd already been there for about four days. And, and if you've ever been overseas, you know you just hit the ground running and you just keep going. And I'm surviving on the anointing and, and, um, and shots of espresso because that's all they drink there. They don't, they, American coffee is not in their, you know, in their, you know, they just, they drink small. They're like, you want coffee? Here it is, small cup. I'm like, hold on, is that a cup of coffee? They're like, well, it's not American coffee, but... And then I started to drink it, and I was like, yeah, that's espresso. I love this place. <laughs> Give me another. <laughs> and so it's just part of life for them. And so we, um, Saturday night, we didn't even know we were preaching in, a com- in this communion service at Cana Church uh, until we got there. Um, actually, on the car ride, car ride over, they're like, okay, Lynn, you're going to preach. And, and Lynn's like, Tony, you're going to exhort. Just do whatever you want. And so I'm, feel like, I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to go after healing. It's communion service, seems fitting. And so there's like 480 people there at their communion service on a Saturday night. It's a pretty good turnout. I think they can only fit about 500 in the building. And so I get up to, or I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do on the way there. And so when I walk in the building, it feels like it's like kingdom culture. It feels like this place. And so as I'm walking down the aisle, I, I run into, probably 30 foot in, I run into a guy who's got a, a wrist brace. And I just ask him through the translator, because I don't speak Portuguese, I can say uh, obrigada, which is thank you, and uh, agua, so I can ask for water and thank them for it, and that's about it. (laughs) And uh, what's the Brazilian restaurant? Fogo de Chao. So I can say fire, fogo! (laughs) And uh, (laughs) those guys love meat, I'll tell you that. can't eat meat right now. I'm sorry. It's some of my daydreaming I'm doing. Sorry to bring you into it. <clears throat> and so through the translator, I asked him what happened. He said he'd been in a, a bicycle accident and um, that his wrist was, was hurting. So I asked if I could pray for him. I just grabbed his wrist gently and uh, prayed. we prayed quickly and asked him how it was. And Jesus had completely healed his wrist. Right? I didn't realize he was one of their acoustic players. So later on, I saw him on the stage. He was able to play the guitar. He wasn't going to be able to play before. And so what I didn't know is he tells us through the translator, he says, hey, both my shoulders also 
were hurting, and when you prayed, both my shoulders got healed. <laughs> it's like he wants to do it more than we want him to. <laughs> mm. We won't stop there. but So I, I walk down, I, I'm probably two more feet, and there's a lady who approaches me. Now I have a prayer line. I don't even, they just saw us praying and people are approaching. And so this older lady, she says she's got back pain, severe back pain. And so I gra- I'm looking around for the youngest kid that I can find. I grab her granddaughter. She's 10 years old. I recruit her to be my prayer team. I just tell her what to pray. Hey, in Jesus' name, pain be gone. She prays for her grandma. Jesus heals her. I'm like, yes, God. This other lady comes up to us. <laughs> I haven't got to my seat yet. This other lady comes up to us, and she'd had this gnarly scar on her knee. She'd been in a bicycle accident also. There's lots of bicycles and motorcycles and lots of interesting drivers. And so she tells us that she's got two pins in her knee, that it's causing um, limited mobility, and she's got severe pain. And so we pray quickly for her and uh, Jesus completely heals her restores all of her mobility I don't know what he did to the pins but he did restore all the motion back to her knee and so then I see as yes, it's amazing so there's three people Jesus heals before I get to the front row or, or the second row where I'm sitting and I see out of the corner of my eye the translator is coming up to me that's going to be translating that night John And I can tell that he wants me to pray for this other lady that's next to him. And and at this point, I feel uncomfortable praying for one more person because I just met the pastor the day before in the the afternoon at lunch. I I barely know these people and feel like I might be overstepping my bounds. What I didn't realize is that God was actually setting setting me up or or setting this other lady up. And so she she had a red dress on. She was standing over the side. and, And John approaches me, and I intentionally avoid her so that I'm not praying for one more person. Well, while they're doing communion, I thank God for Google Translate, right? I don't know how it does in other languages. Portuguese and Spanish it does well in. It translates accurately. And so I asked this lady through Google Translate, I, I passed my, um, the same lady with the red dress on, I passed my phone across the aisle, and uh, I asked her, I said, do you have pain? And she says, yes, I, I've had cr- uh, fibromyalgia for seven years. I have pain throughout my whole body, and I need emotional healing. And I just send back, and I say, hey, Jesus is going to heal you tonight. It's one of those moments afterwards you're like, hope that was you, Jesus. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was, the three before that, I was confident. We'd been seeing Jesus heal, I think while we were there, probably 98 or 99% of the people that we prayed for, we saw Jesus heal of all of the conditions that we could tell at the moment. And um, let me remind you that Jesus is the same in the U.S. as he is overseas. We won't get into that either right now, but so I'm getting up to share and my pastor tells me, he said, you've got 15 minutes. I've been talking about this for 10, so you can tell how long 15 is, right? It's not very long. I don't have time to call out words of knowledge. I don't have time to do that. It's too big a crowd. And so what I feel like I'm supposed to do is just have everybody stand that has pain in their body. But first, I feel like I'm supposed to call this lady up front with the red dress on, have her come up front, and we're supposed to pray for her and watch Jesus heal her. And in that moment, it could have appeared like I was doing this to 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 
raise the faith level in the room. But I wasn't. I wasn't even on my radar. Later on, I realized what God did, but it was just about her in that moment. Remember that. It's always about the person that's in front of you. It's not for what can happen in the room or the result that it will get for other people. Sometimes we think, well, if this person will just get healed, imagine what it will do for their family. Yeah, that's amazing. But then I've made it about something else or someone else than I have about the person. Sometimes it can even turn into manipulation. Well, God, if you'll just do this, then I know this will happen. God's fully capable of winning that family to himself, drawing that family to himself without that ever happening. Right? Sometimes we limit God. I've done that before. I've prayed that prayer before. I've thought that in my mind. I've probably more times than I could count. But God's always transforming our thinking. And so this lady comes up front. I tell, the, I tell the crowd what's going on with her, the fibromyalgia. I didn't say anything about the emotional healing. And um, I just tell her, I said, I felt like the Father wanted you to come up front and do this in front of everybody because He wants you to know that He hasn't forgotten about you. It's a good word for some of you in the room today. Right? He hasn't forgotten about you. Hasn't overlooked you. Hasn't counted you out. As long as we still got breath, we can't be counted out, right? And so we pray. I have them extend their hands, and we just pray a, a short prayer, command pain to leave, and, and Jesus does what He does. And we ask her, and she's completely pain-free for the first time in seven years. I'm like, yes, Jesus, come on. <clears throat> and so then, when I get back up on the stage... And I have the translator ask everybody that has pain in their body to stand. Almost everybody in the room stands. And I think they have misunderstood the question. <laughs> and I ask him, there's about, uh, we gauged there was about 425 people. I don't do a lot of counting, but <laughs> later on I did some counting through the video that was taken. And, and so about 90% of the crowd is, is standing up. I went on the low end because I didn't want to exaggerate it, you know, for shock's sake or whatever. If it's one person, it's just amazing if it's a whole crowd. And so they all stand up. I asked the translator, did they understand the question? He's like, yes, they understood the question. And I'm also standing too because I have pain in my body. <laughs> and so I feel like I'm just supposed to invite the Holy Spirit to come and thank him for what he's doing. And so we just do that, right? We do that three times, short prayers. And at the end, everyone, I just ask, you know, hey, who's completely healed? If you're completely healed, you can sit down. After the first prayer, over 50% of the people are completely healed. No pain in their bodies. It's one of those moments where you feel like you're out of your body. You're like, I can't believe this is happening, right? Like, this is amazing. This is stuff I dream of. Thank God I get to be in the room. And so two more times, and all but six people were, uh, were completely healed, and those six were over 50% healed in the moment. I don't know if they were completely healed afterwards. And so I'm like, over 400 people in less than 15 minutes, God just completely destroys pain in their bodies. Come on, that's reason to get excited, right? And so I say all that because I want to know, if, I want you to raise your hand if you currently have physical pain in your in your body. Raise your hand nice and high. Keep it up for a second. 
Hopefully you didn't have pain in that arm you're raising. You can put it down. 37. Okay, do we have the, I think there's about 37, 35, 36, 37. I don't work with numbers, I work with people, so forgive me if I was off. <clears throat> Somebody else keeps the books. <laughs> so do we have the ki- are the kids coming? Could you go ahead and grab them? And so what we're going to do before I actually preach more is we're going to have the kids come in and be the prayer team. I did this uh, everywhere that I could, everywhere that I went. One night we did it in, in um, Recife, Brazil, at a church plant that I was at, and uh, 27, 28 people got healed, and all by the hands of children who had never seen a miracle before. And, um, and then another lady got healed that was sitting down that couldn't stand up because she had a child in her lap, and nobody even prayed for her. <laughs> <laughs> It was amazing, you know. That's why I love it. Daniel Kalinda says that miracles are the easiest part of my job because I don't do them. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And so we're going to watch God heal people today. Here come. Here come the kids. Yay! Yeah! So everybody that needs physical, that has physical pain, that needs healing, you have pain in your body right now, please stand to your feet. What's up, man? You're looking dapper. You guys are amazing. Thanks so much for coming up here and, and helping. You guys ready to see God do a miracle? Yeah? <laughs> or just ready to cooperate, whatever. <laughs> okay, everybody that's standing up, I just want one of you to go to each person that's currently standing, if you would, please. Can you do that for me? Each, each kid and young adult. We don't have enough uh, kids for people, as you can tell. We get a few, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to help from right there. <laughs> they're going to pray from right there. You guys are going to pray. Those are intercessors you're praying from right there. And so for the ones that the kids are praying for, you know what we're going to do? For, for time's sake, we're just going to believe that, um, that Jesus is just big enough to do the rest, right? <laughs> you believe that? <laughs> Okay, so you guys all have pain currently in your bodies. Pay attention to your body. This is all about you receiving. This isn't about you praying, praying in tongues or anything like that. Just let Jesus love on you. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. And so kids, I just want to coach you. I'm sorry, you're not a kid. But, um, for the other ones that are, I just want to coach you real quick. I just want you to pray this, okay? I just want you to pray in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and, and, and just... We just keep it simple. Be healed. <laughs> Pain leave in Jesus' name. <laughs> and for the rest of the people, Holy Spirit, we thank you for healing each and every one of them. I release the peace of heaven upon everyone. Peace, peace, peace. Thank you for pain going now in Jesus' name. All right. 
I want you to check your body, and I want you to tell me which of you are 50% or more healed already. Raise your hand nice and high if 50%, if you're 50% or more healed. Raise your, come on, Jesus. <laughs> Ray, how about this? We'll just go to 100. Who, who's completely, who's pain-free right now? Pain-free? One, two, three, four, five. Come on, more. I see another hand, six. You got, you got another hand up? That's not your other hand? Not unless you got two right hands. Okay, yes, Jesus. Come on. And so let's pray one more time. Kids, you with me? Whoever's still standing, if you're 100% healed, will you please go ahead and sit down? You were supposed to let her get healed first. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> so thank you, Jesus, for what you just did. Kids, just thank Him for what, you, for what He just did. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody else, be thankful. We just thank you for what you did, and we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the rest of the pain dissipating right now. Every spirit of pain right now in Jesus' name, go. We thank you, Father, for the peace of heaven filling every... Yeah, just continue to be thankful. Thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, just pray that again for the people. Just say, be healed. And pain leave in Jesus' name. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Father. All right, let's check your bodies again. Who now is 100% healed? 100% completely healed. Come on. Yeah, you guys can sit down if you're 100% healed. If you're 50% or more healed and you're, and you're standing up, will you, will you raise your hand? 50%. That's everybody, right? Am I wrong? Maybe there's one person back there. 50% or more healed. That's amazing because without God, it doesn't... So I'm, you know, he's, he's doing something. Let's pray one more time. Have, can you get to somebody else that's standing? He's already, he's already praying himself out of, out of work. Yeah. <laughs> it's good when you pray yourself out of work in the kingdom, right? Yeah. Let's pray the hospitals out of work. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Just pray it again. Just say, be healed, pain leave in Jesus' name. Yep. (laughs) And we thank you, Father, for your presence and your peace filling every person to replace the pain. We thank you for the 50% or more, and we thank you for it going to 100. Thank you for it going to, to 100. Yeah, Holy Spirit, thank you for healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for healing right now in Jesus' name. Thanks, Lord. (laughs) Thanks, Lord. Peace. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. All right. Who's 100% healed now? More heads. Come on. Yeah, four more, more, five more people. Is it it really? I mean, you're not going to hurt my feelings if it's not. It's just... Remember, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Yes. Okay, if you're 100% healed now, would you go ahead and sit down? If you're completely healed, you can go ahead and sit down. Okay. 
get a few more people? We got three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Is everybody that's standing 50% or more healed still? Yes? 80, is somebody 75% or more healed? 80% or more healed? Wow, okay. So we got some of you. Okay, so I just want you to do this. Just, yeah, if you would, kids, just lay your hand on them and, and just, just thank God. I want the people that are standing, though, to just thank, just thank Jesus for what He's doing. Just thank Him. Thankfulness expands the kingdom. Yeah, thankfulness expands the kingdom. So thank you, Father, for what you're doing right now. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing right now. Yes, Lord, I just bless it. Bless what you're doing in the room. We thank you for it. Yes, peace. In Jesus' name. Peace. In Jesus' name. For everyone that needs that emotional, that the emotional is tied to the the physical, I release peace right now into the soul. Thank you. For that, both of them being healed now in Jesus' name. Mm, Thank you, Father. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Come on, prayer team, you're doing amazing. Why don't I take you guys with us when we travel? (laughs) We'll get the permission slips out. All right. One, two. Thank you, Father. Thanks, Jesus. Hmm, okay. Yep, raise your hand if, you, if all the pain's gone now. Next wave of people. All the pain gone now. All the pain gone now. Yes, Jesus, come on. Yes. Thank you, Father. And for the rest of you, I'm just believing that, that as the service goes, before you leave here, that it's going to be gone. Yeah, before you leave here. So you all can be seated. Yeah, young people, thank you guys did amazing. Thank you so much. Will you give them a hand for being willing participants? <laughs> thank you. Yeah, y'all can go with Miss, Miss Karen. Yeah. Thanks, Jesus. Wow, that was incredible, wasn't it? And I got a question for you. So if kids can do it, some of you know where this is going, don't you? If kids can do it, then so can we. I felt like it was important for a few reasons. I felt like it's, you guys do this really well. It's empowering the next generation, right? Because what we're all building what we're building and what we're doing is not primarily for the generation that's presently on the earth. It is about the people that are present on the earth, but it's not primarily. For those of us that are building things like are happening here, it's not primarily about the people that are present. Some of the, the biggest breakthroughs and the most extravagant things that we will ever be a part of it's quite possible that we won't be present for. That we may be watching from the great cloud of witnesses if we do, if we do what we're supposed to well. If we build a solid foundation, we think generationally. Right? I remind myself of this often 
of thinking of, and I was talking to Al a little bit at the beginning, you know, you guys are getting ready to start healing rooms, and it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, you're starting something, and a lot of the expectation is to happen now, and I believe that. We're contending for 100% healing right now. Every single person. In spirit, soul, and body, the whole person. Us walking in wholeness. I won't talk to you about divine health, but I know it's available. And it starts in the spirit, it goes over into the soul, where the, where the mind, will, and emotions are whole, and then the physical body is also whole yeah. on this planet. Yeah, it's in here, right? It's in here. It was even mentioned in Colossians when you're talking about peace. Yeah. It's wholeness. Yeah. <clears throat> and so if you look that word shalom up, you'll see, which is where the, the Greek word came from. The Greek word is orene. For, for the word peace in the New Testament. But it comes from the word shalom because in 2nd and 3rd BC, it was actually the, the Hebrew Bible was translated into the Greek for Greek-speaking Jews. If you've ever heard somebody teach that before, that shalom is in the New Testament, that's where they get it because it's true. It's not a leap. It's actually you just connect the dots. It's, it's in here, Right? And so what we are building is for the generations that are to come. And so I want to talk to you a little bit bit about what it looks like to be be the body. Is that okay? To be the body. Because we are all signed up for being willing participants to be a part of the body of Christ. To be His representation, to be His hands and feet, to be the bride to be um, the, the picture of what he looks like on the planet. And don't let that bring pressure to you if you think, well, I'm still, whatever, fill in the blank. I still mess up. I still make poor choices. I still, whatever. That's all right. That all comes with a revelation of who we are and revelation of who we aren't. So you don't have to worry about, don't, don't major on minors. Just celebrate where you're at right now and the progress that you've made. Because when you celebrate the progress that you've made, because God celebrates progress, not perfection. (laughs) He's perfect. He just wants us to learn to be one with Him. And then in His perfection, when I realize the oneness that I have with Him, the unity that I have, that I'm in Him, then I don't have to worry about being perfect. I just have to surrender. I don't have to worry about being perfect. I just rest. Rest is supposed to be the hardest work that we ever do in the kingdom. (laughs) Some of us, I've been this way before. So in the first year of ministry, I got so burnt out. It was, I think I talked a little bit maybe about this last time. But I mean, there were suicidal thoughts that came in because I was depressed. I knew where the voice came from. I wasn't like contemplating it or, you know, writing a a note or, you know what I mean? I didn't have any plans to do it. But I knew the voice had come in because my walls were broken down because I was so tired, physically exhausted, mentally and emotionally exhausted because I was trying so hard to make things happen in the kingdom. I was trying so hard to do the work of the Lord. And it sounded so spiritual, and it was so ignorant. By ignorant, I don't mean stupid. I mean that I was uninformed of what it actually is to be a son. Because when I don't know who I am, then I'll act out of everything that I never was created to be. 
Kingdom mindsets came in the moment that Jesus fulfilled everything that the Father had planned before the foundation of the earth at the cross. A kingdom mindset was released at the cross. At the death, the burial, the resurrection, and then the ascension of Jesus, the kingdom mentality, or the mind of Christ, if you want to call it that, in second, I think in 2 Corinthians 2, or 1 Corinthians 2, the mind of Christ was released at the cross. We like to call Him Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but nobody told me when I signed up, when I said yes to Jesus, all I thought that I was escaping hell. Right? Which I was on board for. I was on a fast track. Right? I was going to split the doors of hell wide open. I was begging for hell in everything that I did. <clears throat> so then when I got saved, I got half the gospel. See, when you only have half of it, when you only have half truth, then you're robbed of the intimacy that it was supposed to create with you and the Father so that you could learn who you are. I'm not saying that you have to have every I dotted, every I dotted and every T crossed. I'm not saying that you have to have every revelation on identity that's, that's in this book, but at least have one of them. <laughs> Sometimes one's enough for this season, right? Quality is way better than quantity in the kingdom. You may, you may, you may like this. Other people may not. But I, I pray for. I'm not going to say that. <clears throat> I pray for self-control is what I pray for before I speak. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit and Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we get so busy doing that we forget about being. What do I mean by that? I'm glad you asked. Mary and Martha are a perfect picture of what a son or a daughter is supposed to look like. Not one or the other, Mary or Martha, Mary and Martha. Because Martha always gets a bad rap because she wouldn't sit at the feet of Jesus. She was busy working when she was supposed to be resting. Right? We're all guilty of that. I'm guilty of that at times. And so everybody points at Mary and says, this is what you're supposed to do, just sit at the feet of Jesus. I think that's amazing and true, but I also know that there's a time to get up and go. Right? That's why Jesus didn't say sit, go and disciple nations. He said go. He said, I just want you to go. But the thing is, it's so transitioning for, because some of you are great at resting in worship. Right? This is a house where you cultivate the presence of God. It's, it's you're cultivating people into a lifestyle of being carriers of the presence. You don't just have good worship, you're actually creating culture inside of your people, right? Because I'll never create a culture around me that I don't have on the inside of me. So when I have the culture of what it is to be a person of the presence on the inside of me, then everywhere I go, I will reproduce that same atmosphere. 
it all stems from intimacy. And so here Mary is, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and everybody's pointing at her and saying, this is what you're supposed to be doing. But what if, what if we could, from that position, go? Let's read a little Bible. How about Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 4. You guys with me so far? Yes? Okay. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I'm sorry, I I told you in the sound of two totally different verses that I won't be using. (laughs) That's why I didn't send you anything. (laughs) It would have probably been a waste of both of our time, and I didn't want to do that to you. But thanks for for trying to serve me. (laughs) I used to put PowerPoint slides together, and I spent more time on PowerPoint slides than I uh, I ever did spending time with Jesus before I preached. Sometimes I spent more time tying my tie in the morning before I... <laughs> I got a friend, uh, Mario at, at, uh, Ellenis, that lives in, you know, he lives in Connecticut, and he's with a particular denomination where a lot of them believe in ties, and he wasn't wearing a tie one time when, when this guy was giving him a hard time, cause he, but he had a suit jacket on and his shirt tucked in, you know what I mean? He was, he was business all but the tie. And a guy was giving him a hard time afterwards, and he just leaned over and whispered in his ears, and he said, he said, ties can't preach. (laughs) I thought, freedom! (laughs) 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 All right, (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness. There's your humility. Sarah, where'd she go? There's your humility. Um, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3 endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That was a lot of all, so I verse 3 endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and so this is what I envision endeavoring look like what it looks like and so it looks like I'm sitting at the feet of the uh, feet of Jesus like Martha or like Mary and I'm resting the fact in that moment that he has my undivided attention Intimacy does not happen outside of undivided attention. Intimacy is not just being with. It, it's a part, that's a part of intimacy is being with, but, but a bigger part of intimacy is me being able to stare into your eyes. Because what would feel more intimate if we had a conversation for five minutes? Let me make this less awkward. If my wife and I had a conversation for five minutes... Or I just sat across from the, te- the table and stared into her eyes. Informationally, I may know more about her through the conversation. 
but God doesn't want us to know about him. Experientially, if I stare into her eyes, through intimacy, I'm actually going to know her more because there's a heart connection that happens when you're in the face of somebody like that and you stare into their eyes. When someone just gazes into your eyes that loves you, when they just look and they stare and there's nothing that even needs to be said, when they just look at you with that look, most of us are familiar with that. Some of us have seen it from a parent, others from somebody who is in love with us in an affectionate type of way of a spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend. It's the intimacy that God is looking for. And so in that moment, Jesus has Mary's undivided attention. I know you guys went on a fast here recently. We're currently in, in the middle of a corporate one. And um, I, I propose this question. I realize that, that fasting food is, is, um, is biblical, right? I get that. Daniel fast, fasting all food, whatever. I, want, I, I pose the question of, I wonder if fasting all of our electronics would be more of a modern-day fast than fasting food. Because what gets more of my attention? What robs me of intimacy? What am I so connected to that even in prayer I'm distracted by? That I'm so connected to the world. Connection's great, I love that. But sometimes we're so connected to everything that's going on around us that that stuff begins to race through our minds as we're trying to settle in and actually worship. It, it happens to me while I'm in school. I'm in school, I, I listen to three sessions a day, three sessions of preaching a day for four days a week. I'm listening to 12 hours of teaching a week. That is a lot of teaching. <clears throat> So in those times, I fidget. I've learned, so I came from a person who was restful. I'm going to get to Ephesians 4. Who was restful, undivided attention, could spend easy an hour with God with no, no distractions and not even think twice about doing anything else. To a person over the, the last 10 years that turned into that even when I fish, I noticed that my attention span is shorter than it used to be. So in school, I'm fidgeting, but what I started to do is I take a, a, a yellow legal pad and I begin to write down the things that I need to do that come into my mind while I'm in school. Otherwise, I'll start to do them while I'm in school. Just something practical for you while you're in prayer. Some of you may already do this. Have a legal pad or a piece of paper or something that's actual physical that's not electronic device. Because you know how easy it is to go, oh, like, I'm just going to go into my notes. And then you're on Instagram or you're on Facebook and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> I'll tell you how we get there is that we are conditioned to do that. What if we were able to break the power of that through learning to sit with them? I'm not talking about an hour or hours for some of you because it's whatever works for you. Whatever it takes, whatever your conviction is with him in this season. I'm not trying to put my conviction on you or somebody else's conviction on you. I used to do that. That doesn't work for either one of us. And so what if the power of that was broken by conditioning ourselves to sit with Jesus. 
This is what I see endeavoring to keep unity as. I'll never be able to have unity and oneness in the body, in this family, or outside of this family as the big C church worldwide, if I'm not able to have unity with Jesus, just me and him. It's, it's impossible because I am, I am not conditioned for connection the way that the body was created to actually move and flow, ebb and flow together. So let me, <laughs> let me try and help you. Immediately, there were at least a few of you that your minds went to doing. Okay, what can, I, what can I do to make this happen? That can be important practically, but what's more important is me to actually realize that I already have inside of me what it takes to make that happen. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That bond is like, that's not welded. (laughs) I want to say it's like the glue, but it's actually like fusion. So it's like two pieces of steel being welded together and they actually become one. So peace is the bond that keeps unity. Who's Jesus? He's the prince of Peace, right? The Holy Spirit comes with peace. Jesus lives on the inside of us, so peace is in us. He resides there. If I don't have peace, I'm going to make it practical for you. If I don't have peace, it's because I'm not resting in the one who lives in me, and I'm outside of oneness and unity in that moment. The amazing thing is, is that when I can realize that, that I can point to something practical. I can point to saying, okay, I don't have peace in this moment. I know that I'm not resting. Who can feel stress when it comes on you? I feel it right here in the back of my neck. (sighs) Anxiousness, stress, pressure. I can feel it all right there. It's my telltale sign That in that moment, I am not trusting God. We're all learning to trust Him, right? Can I say this? What if the foundation of everything that we are to do in the kingdom stems from trust? We can simplify it down. We can make the prophetic teams and in the healing rooms and the intercessors and in the worshipers and, and everything that we do in the kingdom, right? The prayer servants and right, we can we can do all this stuff. And a lot of it we can do outside of trust. It's just that then I build it on my own. Anything I build in my own strength, I must maintain, excuse me, in my own strength. Why am I saying all this? I feel like this is the direction the body of Christ is going in. 
What was that song? When it's all stripped away and I just simply come. I believe that God is stripping things away. That He's showing us things that aren't bearing fruit in our gatherings. Maybe everything you're doing is bearing fruit. I'm not, I'm not talking to you then. But I know for us, everything we're doing is not bearing fruit. Everything that, there, not everything that we do is, is something that Jesus is, is the center of. Not everything that we do, He has center stage. Not everything that we do is 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 people are seeing Him, and, and it's built around, around His presence. There are things that we still do that are out of tradition because we saw other churches do them, because other people taught us to do them, and they may have been good things in a season or for a moment or a training ground for us to learn who we are, but now they're not bearing any fruit. I believe that God is stripping away things. He's going to begin to... He's already done it with us, and if it needs to be done with anybody else, it, I believe it will be is that He's convicting hearts. I'm with family. I'll just say it this way. I believe that every bit of worshiping a schedule and a time limit, and let me finish, some of you that are worried that we're going to be staying longer today. I know all of that has its place, and it's important. It's important to be punctual. It's important to be a person of your word. <clears throat> None of this is an excuse to be lazy at work or pray in the bathroom for an hour on your boss's dime. And Don't do that. But there are moments when we, maybe not you, that we've been so time sensitive that we've missed God. That all service was was a good try. The Iranian church, they say, is the fastest growing church in the world. Most oppressed, most persecuted. And immediately they've stepped into signs, wonders, and miracles like they see in the Bible. The reason why they stepped into them is because they saw them in the Bible. I believe a bigger reason why they stepped into him because because they trust him. They've found something in the midst of persecution that we still lack. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. They show us they're a great example to us that peace is not the absence of chaos and conflict. If I only feel good when my life is going good, my Christianity is not based off the gospel that's in the Bible. The gospel in the Bible actually brings a peace that causes us to stand up in the midst of, whether it's persecution or, or bad times or, or being sick or being whatever it is, times when all, excuse me, when all hell breaks loose in your life, quite literally, is that I don't lose that in those moments. That I'm actually able to stand up against something because the gospel, it will withstand every life situation, every storm, everything that we will ever face. That's what it was created to do when we become one with Him. 
Jesus stilled and stopped storms in the New Testament, not only as an example that we have authority over nature, but what it looks like when he lives on the inside of us, that there's no storm, no wind that can blow hard enough, no rain that can pour down fast enough or hard enough that's supposed to be able to stop us from resting like he was in that boat. Being real with you, I am not completely there yet. But me knowing it's available gives me an opportunity to actually step into it. Because much of Christianity for me has been more Martha than it has been Mary. I went from one person that rested like Mary. Maybe some of you can relate. I was able to rest in his presence frequently. Now, now it, it becomes, I always use the excuse of God is just, he's just transforming me in this season. Now I just, I pray as I go. Yeah, I pray all the time. I got a breakthrough a few years ago where the Holy Spirit, I pray in, you know, in tongues 24. I don't have to try. It just, I can feel it more than I can hear it. It just happens all the time. It's, it's available to everybody. <clears throat> it's how you pray without ceasing. Maybe another time. But I always said it was because God was transforming me, but actually I was becoming less and less sensitive to rest. And so I turned more into a Martha, and I was getting things done, but it was, it was destroying my health. There's things that I feel like that I, I suffer with now physically in the exhaustion that I'm still dealing with because of adrenal fatigue that affected my body early on and that I fight through. Right? I found out through pain that I've, I have, I feel it currently in my body, back here. Sciatic nerve, I don't know. I, I heard it running in August. I still have it. Remember, I watched over 400 people healed in a meeting. I watched almost 500 people healed, Jesus heal in, just in Brazil. And in those moments, I, I, was, I, I wasn't thinking about it. I was eating ibuprofen on a regular basis, and I still am. Because I believe Jesus heals, but if I have to take ibuprofen to lay down to sleep, I don't feel guilty about that. <laughs> right? It's like saying, Jesus is going to heal my eyes, so I'm, I'm not going to wear my glasses while I drive. That's not very smart, nor very safe. I'm going to wear my glasses until Jesus heals me. I'll know when it happens. <laughs> I could understand pain, pain relievers can, can become addictive if they were something other than that. Right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going there. But I found out through this pain how selfish I still am. I found out through this pain, God didn't give it to me. And it's not, he's not trying to teach me a lesson through it. That's why I still have it. That's just bad, That's just bad theology. It's mystery. I don't know why. But He will use every moment and everything if we allow Him to, to give us lessons out of it. And so out of this season, <laughs> it's been some, a few months now, and this, what I'm dealing with isn't anything compared to what a lot of people deal with. I'm just using it as an example. But I've found that many times that I won't reach out like I used to 
at times because I'm thinking about myself. See, this is another thing that, that rest does, that, in, that resting in peace does, that knowing that I'm one with him, that every bit of selfishness dies. <sighs> it's one way that I can, I can gauge how much I've grown in my identity is how much I focus on me. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying don't take care of yourself and make sure that you have good boundaries. That's not this conversation. I'll let somebody else teach you about that. That's all important, right? You know what I'm talking about. When I've made it just about me, when it's about meeting my needs and fulfilling my needs, what makes me feel good, no poor me in this moment because I hurt. And so I'm not reaching out. Because then it can turn into why not me? And then I watch somebody else get healed and I can say why? Why them and not me? And I'm not even able to celebrate somebody else's healing. I, I didn't get there during this time, but there was a time when I got frustrated and upset and asked God, what's going on? <laughs> I'm just being real. I, I even brought up like he didn't know it happened. Hey, God, I watched hundreds of people get healed. I can't understand why I still, why I still hurt. Right? Because I made it about me. And I had to ask myself this question. Maybe you could too. Is that if I never got what I wanted, would he still be enough? If I never got my prayer answered, would he still be enough? Or if I made it about my healing, my breakthrough, my prayers getting answered, my ministry, my book getting written, my, my next song, my, 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 right? God's stripping all of the selfishness away from the church. God's destroying what once is still in some places is it's not here. I'm, I'm thankful for that. But there are places where it's just one great big show. And God doesn't have to be present to do any of it. Right? It's about how good I look. And I'm all about excellence and being polished, but not for the sake of presence. You can do both. <laughs> right? <laughs> but what if I need to lay the guitar down? And, or what if I just need to get on my face and what if the song that's being sung in that moment is silence? Is that enough? <laughs> Am I able to lay this little bitty life down and give it to Him for the sake of the kingdom of what God is building and realizing that me doing my part in the body of Christ is vital? I'm not saying God can't do it without us. He absolutely can he doesn't need me for anything, but he has chosen to use us to, let me say it like this, he has chosen to work with us. But it all comes through endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The only way that I will ever work with the Prince of Peace 
in the fullness of who I am as a son is by resting in and saying that what he accomplished at the cross was enough. Period. I told a friend, well, I didn't tell a friend not long ago. I actually inadvertently told another friend because he was in the crowd when I said it, but I was thinking about another friend that wasn't actually in the crowd that I was preaching in because I wouldn't have done that to him. And he's a fairly new Christian. And he was saying, you know, he was on Facebook just venting and saying, I'm getting ready to wrap up, by the way. He was saying, I can't believe, you know, there was all this bad stuff that was happening. And then he was saying, don't tell me to pray because prayer doesn't work for me. My prayers don't get answered. This is my response to this. I'm sorry that somebody told you Christianity was about your prayers getting answered. There's only one prayer that I should really pray. Focus on. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray other prayers. This is for me. This is what I, uh, this is, this is what I see. Is that I'm going to pray this prayer as I lay myself on the altar before God, figuratively and sometimes physically, that your will be done, not mine. Whatever that looks like. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll say anything you want me to say. I'll do anything you want me to do. No matter what it costs me, because it won't cost me as much as it costs you. It can't ever really cost me something unless I've made it about me again. (laughs) Right? It can't really ever cost me something unless I've made it about me again. Well, it costs me some discomfort. It costs me some time away from my family. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have them anyway. Not all of you are called to go out to the mission field. But all of us are called into being uncomfortable. Because there's no growth outside of being uncomfortable. It's foreign to the culture we live in, and I love to be comfortable. Right? I love my recliner. I love my comfortable bed. I love my comfortable car. I love all the things of comfort. Right? (laughs) I love all the things of comfort. But what they can and have at some level done to me is I've allowed that comfort to stop me from being able to rest in who he is because sometimes what it looks like is me getting uncomfortable to be able to be in unity with him. Because sometimes he's not sitting, sometimes he's going. But I'll never learn to rest in the going if I don't learn to rest in the sitting. Let me give you something practical before we pray. There's two types of Christians. Only two that I see. I'd love to have done the three chairs here. It's a beautiful picture of what Leif Hetland does. He does an amazing teaching, and I did did borrow that from him. And um, (laughs) I'm glad it wasn't copyrighted. And so... But there's two types of Christians. There's the ones who don't rest, who live in in, in fear and in worry and in in anxiety and in, in not trusting Him. 
and, and always thinking about what could happen. And it's always the people that live out of hopelessness and don't have any joy. Right. And there's the Christian who trusts and because they trust, they rest. And because they rest, they have hope. And because they have hope, they have joy. There's only one thing, and, and, and any of us are susceptible to living out of either one of these identities at any given moment. <laughs> so don't feel bad if you've, you're like, in this moment, you're like, I'm just a mess. I'm all worried. I'm all fearful. I'm hopeless. I don't have any joy. Well, guess what? In a moment, all that contains. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that in a moment, it is literally, that's why I love the three chairs, it is literally like me taking, uh, getting up out of this chair, that is, that is the carnal Christian chair, and stepping over and sitting down into what is sonship. Is me trusting in and realizing that He paid for everything that I need at the cross, and so then everything that I, I would ever have to have to do anything that He wants me to do is already on the inside of me, and it comes through intimacy. It comes through the face-to-face. It comes through me learning to rest in the truth of what God says already about me and what He's told me that He's accomplished, which causes me to stop working so hard to make things happen. I can tell you this, that you and I praying harder will not get our city saved. Harder, louder, longer. Not going to do it. Because God's not moved by louder, longer prayers. God's not moved by even more passionate prayers. God's moved by faith. You know what faith looks like? Is when I trust what He said He already did and I allow that truth to transform my mind and I begin to think out of the kingdom mindset that was released at the cross so that I begin to see my city and the people around me from a hope-filled perspective, which then fills me with joy, and then they can actually see what happy sons and daughters look like, even in the midst of trials, tribulations, when everything seems to be going wrong, and I can show the world that Jesus is enough. I can show them that he's enough, that it's not just one great big bless me club. I love blessing, but I, I, I'm not going to show people to Jesus because I got a brand new car. Oh, God bless me with this car. That's amazing, but what are you doing when that car gets rear-ended in the first three weeks that you have it? Did you lose your Christianity, jump out of the car, and do everything you could do not to lose your salvation? <laughs> <laughs> Some of you are like, did that happen? Yes. But I didn't do the last part. And I found out that my car wasn't as valuable to me as I thought it would be. But I'll never find out how valuable my stuff is until there's opposition that comes against me. I'll never know what I actually believe until there's opposition that comes against me. With every revelation, there's a response that is required, and the response comes in when the opposition comes. Because every time I get a revelation, there'll be something that contradicts that revelation, that in that moment, I have a choice to make. 
will this revelation become mine in this moment or will I chalk it up to something that actually becomes a theory to me and then I'll teach it and preach it and say amen to it, but I won't live out of it. Because I'll never find out how good God is or be able to declare his goodness until it looks like he's not good and I still declare that he is. The goodness of God is the cornerstone of, of our theology. It's not because it's Bethel Churches or somebody that said it from a stage or on YouTube. It's our theology when, it, when people were dying and we still declared it. And they looked at me and they said, why this? And why is this happening? And all I could say was, I don't know, but I know he's good. I know he's good and I know he's enough. That's all I know. I can't answer your question. I can't give you some great big articulated theological response and show you a bunch of scriptures as to why it happened because there's not actually any in the Bible that point to why. I can make up a theology to make myself feel good. It will be erroneous doctrine at best. I'm not, not well-educated, I'm not well-read, I don't have any letters in front of or behind my name. <laughs> I don't have a fancy title, I don't, I don't have any of that stuff, and it used to bother me when I was in the presence of others that had it. I used to feel insecure when I thought I'm the only one in this room that's been a drug addict and strung out and been to prison used to bother me. used to think, what will they think if they find out? I used to think that it would keep doors closed if people did find out, that it wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to step onto the stages and platforms that I felt like I was called to, to impact and influence the people that Jesus wants us to. I thought I wouldn't be able to go places because of it. I thought I would close doors to countries, nations, found out this one truth in the midst of all that that he's enough he's my doctorates he's my masters he's my title he won't let the, my past stop me from going to places that he's called me to he's my credentials He's really everything that you and I need. So I don't know what you need today. But I'll tell you this. That if you know that you're one with Him, and that truth begins to transform your mind, and you're able to rest in what He finished, which means that you rest in the peace of heaven, then you'll be able to accomplish all the things that he's ever, that you've ever dreamed of and that even more importantly, what he's dreamed of for you. No matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done in your life, 
there's way more hope than, than either one of us are letting on right now. <laughs> there's way more hope. I don't care if you're a woman in ministry in this room and you feel like that there'll be doors closed to you to countries and to nations because you, you can't go because they're second-class citizens at this point. I'll tell you this, there's coming a day, just like in the Iranian church, that, that the women will, as they have been, continually to, to take the rightful place right next to us and do this with us and will lead in the way that they were created to lead. Not the fem feminist movement, but actually the kingdom movement where it says that the daughters of God are just as powerful as anybody else. And God's opening up nations to, to women going in. You may have to follow their protocol and respect their, the things that they do in their culture. But you're going to make an impact. The women are going to make an impact that we're not able to because you have a perspective that I don't, that we don't as men. So no matter where you come from, whatever your background, your education level, will you let him be enough? Will you let him do that? Will you let him crush every insecurity on the inside of you and actually bring security inside by the peace of heaven so that you're able to rest in and then see full picture Amen. from hope's perspective everything he wants you to see? I can tell you a hope-filled Christian in a crowd real quick. I look a lot like my face is looking now. I know it's not always smiling. I know it's not always laughing. But it is a whole lot more than it isn't. All right, you know why? Because I need the strength that joy gives me. <clears throat> Hope's a perspective as much as it is. A truth. And so if you would stand with me. Everything that I gave you today in a nutshell is meant to help us walk in who we are created to be. The intimacy that I have with Him will help me walk in the unity that I was created to have with the body. Because when I'm in intimacy with Him, if somebody disagrees with me, that doesn't become the subject matter. Relationship does. When relationship becomes the main topic with Him, it will become the main topic with everyone else. we won't worry about who's right and who's wrong and find out in the grand scheme of things it really doesn't matter <laughs> how valuable is your opinion to you what would you rather give people your opinion or a piece of his heart So as we pray, I just want you to do this. If you, like me, have thought right now in this season that Jesus in some way wasn't enough, that you weren't going to be able to do something because of you fill in the blank, 
past education, all the things that I mentioned. If he in some way hasn't been enough for you and you needed more added to the simplicity of the, of the gospel, I just want you to hold your hands out in front of you. And I feel like that as the Spirit of God comes, there's going to be lies that are broken and there's going to be this radical peace. This shalom is going to come. And it's going to come upon us and then it's going to give us an opportunity to learn to walk this out through the practical things that I talked about and other things that you already know. And so, Father, we thank you that you're so merciful and so patient with us. <laughs> thank you that you've given us this opportunity today. And Spirit of Peace, Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come. truth come we thank you for breaking the power of every lie that you're not enough we thank you for breaking the power of every lie every voice that's been speaking every bit of insecurity all the excuses even ones that seem legitimate. We thank You for breaking the power of all that stuff, bringing truth in place of those lies, bringing security on the inside of us through our union with You. I pray right now more than ever that we would begin to know that we know that we know that we are one with you that we would begin to like never before be still in your presence minister to you allow you to minister to us that we'd make prayer less about words and more about quality time that we'd make prayer less about us and what we can get and what we can get answered and what we can get from you into a deeper place of intimacy than we've ever gone and so we thank you that the invitation is there for us to go deeper right now and I hope I can speak for everybody is that we want to go we want to go deeper we want to go deeper in this place of your heart we want to go into this place of of knowing that we can rest in everything that you already accomplished and walking in the peace that you paid a very high price for. And in turn, so we can see our cities come to know you. That they'd see that we're sons and daughters who rest in you no matter what's going on in our lives that we're sons and daughters not only in moments of ministry or, or being spiritual or talking about Jesus, but we're sons and daughters when we wake up. We're sons and daughters throughout every day and we're sons and daughters when we go to sleep. That we know that. That there's nothing else we have to do to add to what you already did. Yes. That you're really truly enough, Jesus. I thank you that I'm in a place that is endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I thank you 
that you've already been doing that here. And I thank you that you're adding to it today. So I thank you for the body getting to be the body in this place. And I believe it's going to happen all over our region and all over our nation. We'll be able to catch up with some of the other nations in the world. I thank you for that. I thank you that you're inviting us into places that our brothers and sisters overseas are are already at and, and that are praying for us to be able to be one with you and with them. So I thank you for all that you're doing in every heart in the room right now. He's removing insecurity. He's removing the thought that I am not educated enough. For some of you, that's not going to be a thought that you continue to think. For some of you, it's I'm not well spoken enough to stand in front of more educated people, more well spoken people, higher class people. God's removing that excuse from you today. And He'll fill your mouth with the words to speak. They may not be eloquent like you'd want them to be, but they'll be impactful like He wants them to be. And that's what's important. I thank you, Father, that gender, race, or background, or education level, lack thereof, is no longer going to be able to be an excuse for us as we trust you. You're moving us out of a place of being comfortable into a place of uncomfortability. Where the, where the comforter can do his job. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Father. And so I just, I release the peace of heaven upon every person here in the name of Jesus. The peace that destroys the authority of chaos. And that as we walk in, it will destroy chaos everywhere we go. I thank you, Father, for your love filling every person in a new way. That compassion's going to an all-time high. And that we ultimately are going to look more like you this year than we ever have before. Yes, thank you, Father. Yeah. I want you to say this with me. We trust you. And even when we feel like we can't, we'll still trust you. (laughs) I won't live by my feelings, but I'll live through my trust for you. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you for helping us figure it it out when we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) 